0: Just feel.
1: Everyone. can't see you very well. There you are. You guys have a good week? Yeah. So far, so good. All right, I think you're still waking up a little bit. There is coffee in the lobby, just in case anybody needs it. God made it, so it's good. So it's all good. I'm glad to see you guys here this morning. Just a few things we want to tell you about we want to make sure that uh, you guys are aware of is Wednesday night. We had a great time on Wednesday this last week. Do you know what we got to do? We got to pray, but we looked at all of the answered prayer that God has done since last August. It was a stack of cards this thick. Hey!
2: How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. Earl Pike.
1: Earl Pike. It's good yeah. to meet you, Earl.
2: Nice to see you. Nice too. to see you. I'm uh... I came here because I heard that you guys are going to have a, a covered dish thing here in a few weeks.
1: We are. We are. We're on February 11th at 6 o'clock. We are.
2: And it's going to be fun?
1: It's going to be fun. We're going to have a hoedown, hymn sing, and there's we're going to have a potluck.
2: So I, if I understand correctly, people bring like a casserole and we put it out on a table...
1: They can bring a casserole and we put it out on a table and they can go buy. What's your favorite?
2: Well, fried chicken is my favorite. Fried I thought so. I heard you had a covered dish here several weeks ago and there was not one piece of fried chicken there wasn't on one the piece. table.
1: There wasn't that
2: one. Disappointed well that would have disappointed me had I been here. But I tell you what, I, I love chicken. In fact, uh Yesterday I drove uh, with the grandkids, and we drove through uh, we drove through uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken there. And I got to the, the, the microphone, and she said, "What can I help you?" I said, "I'd like for my grandchildren, I'd like two children's meals with legs." And she said, "Which side?" <laughs> and I said, "Well, I guess the right side, but." Uh, she said, no, I mean fries or coleslaw, so I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> it's always good th- to know the right side. i in town for a little while. You know, a pastor of the church out of Pumpkin Center? Yes, Claretta. that's where that's you're from. That's where I'm from. Yeah. And, uh, but I come to town every once in a while because there's a great dentist here, and uh, I lost a tooth. But when I went in there this time, I says to him, I says, uh, what should I do about these yellow teeth? And he said, wear a brown tie. <laughs> so, is it okay if I come to that uh, shindig you're doing on the 11th?
1: Yeah, I would love you to be Could here. Should I
2: bring my commodian and play with the band? Bring your
1: commodium. I would okay. love it. Bring okay. your commodium, and you can play with us. Okay, okay. We would love that.
2: I'll see you Girl, in a couple weeks. Girl, it's good to see you. Don't forget, the 11th.
1: And bring fried chicken. He needs uh, the fried chicken. chicken. We need
2: fried chicken. All right. It's, it's not a Nazarene thing if there's not fried chicken. <laughs> it's got to be fried or chicken. A Baptist thing. Uh, that, yeah, it, have yeah, fried chicken. it okay. won't pass.
1: You won't go to heaven Guys. without it either. <laughs> Thanks, Earl. Earl's going to be there. So that's the other thing. February 11th, write it down. We're going to have a potluck And we're going to have a hymn sing and we're going to, it's just going to be a hoedown type of thing. So you can dress up, wear your cowboy boots, whatever you want to do, or dress like Earl. If you want to do that, that's fine too. You guys are welcome either way. So we're going to do that. But prayer night, man, we got to see all the praises God has done. You guys, he is moving. The spirit is moving. He has answered so many prayers. We filled this stage from here all the way over on both things full of praises. It was awesome. It was four cards deep and it was awesome. So we are excited to to see that God's moving. So come to prayer night on Wednesday night. We are still, we still have a lot of cards we're praying over and we will keep praying on them until God answers us because we know that he will because he's good. So I think that is everything for this week. Um, we do have Children's Church after we have our worship time in music this morning. There is Children's Church, so Miss Jane will meet all the kids down there after um, we do the offering. So we'll do that in a little bit, but for now, let's stand and let me pray, and uh, you guys join me in prayer, and then we will worship our wonderful Father. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for being here this morning. Lord, thank you for the fact that you are in control of all things. I ask you to bring your Holy Spirit in even more. Father, we want your Holy Spirit to feel welcome here because we need you and we want you here. This whole morning doesn't mean anything unless we set ourselves aside and we put you first. It is you that needs to be glorified. So Lord, we want you to be honored as we sing to you this morning. As we give you our gifts of song, Lord Jesus, I pray that um, you will be pleased with this offering. And Father, I pray that you will take us over, take our hearts and our minds over. And Lord, I ask you to keep the enemy out. He is not welcome here. So I ask you to escort him out if he's tried to come in in a sneaky way. Because we want all this to be you. We want it to be you completely. So come on in, Lord Jesus. And thank you for loving us. And all God's people said, amen. Let's sing.
0: My victory. When all I see is the mountains, you see the mountains blue. And as I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me. There's nothing. For I'm safe with you So when I fight i fight on my knees With my hands lifted high Oh God, the battle belongs to you And every fear I lay at your feet And I'll
3: sing through the night Oh God, the battle belongs
4: to you
0: are for me, who can be against me? For, for Jesus, Jesus, there's, there's nothing, nothing impossible thing. for you. Well, all I see are
3: the ashes To you, and every fear I lay at your feet. And I'll sing through the night, Oh God, the battle belongs to you.
0: So mighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Shine in the shadows. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. It's Almighty Fortress. You
3: go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Shine in the shadows. You win every battle. We're gonna make We're Be- gonna make There'll be love still
1: good morning to someone. Just welcome them here. Just tell them you're glad to see them. Boy, it's good to see you guys here. You know that last song that we just sang? You guys are happy. (laughs) I love it. That last song we just sang? I just want to read these to you so you guys can kind of hear these lyrics. I don't want to abuse your grace. God, I need it every day. Does everybody need it? Oh, man, I need it. And then it says, it's the only thing that ever really makes me want to change. Sometimes we forget that God's in the middle of changing us and making Him, making us more like Him. And that can be kind of painful sometimes, right? It's kind of hard to go through that that dipping process of being refined like gold is dipped in the fire. Kind of hard but man is it awesome because he just wants to get closer and closer to us and i want to be closer to him we have an amazing amazing god he meets us right where we're at and he'll chase us out to where we are if we're far away he'll reach down in the deepest hole and he'll pull you out he is all always right there. And I'm so grateful for that because I have had to have him chase me. And when he caught me, man, I jumped into his arms because I was just like lost. And when we get to that place, it is just so wonderful to have a savior that chases us down that hard because he loves you that much. And yes, you are the one. He leaves the 99 to find you that good to know, super comforting, he is a very personal, personal God, Jesus loves you more than you can possibly imagine, and I will always tell you that every single Sunday, so you can count on that, because I have had him chase me, and I know what it's like to be out there, so if you're one that's being chased right now, he's going to get you, and that's a good thing. Turn around and run into his arms because that's where you want to be. Let's continue to worship him. to come forward so we can receive the offering now, and we 'll continue to sing. let me pray with you guys, Lord, we thank you, thank you so much for giving to us so freely. You never withhold and lord i 'm so thankful that we get to give back to you with so many options we get to give you our hearts first and foremost. We get to sing to you and give you our gifts, Lord. We can can give to you financially however, however we can, Lord. We just can't give enough to you because you are such a good, good Father. We're so grateful for you. Bless this offering, Lord. And as we continue to worship, I pray that you will be honored. In Jesus' name, amen.
3: God now. Breathe. So breathe the oh breath of God now. Breathe the oh breath of God. Breathe the oh breath of God.
1: I pray, Lord, that you will breathe into all of us again. We need you, Lord. We need your spirit to refresh us. Some of us are weary, some of us have done this for a long time. And we need to remember there's a mission. Lord, we want you to take over this place. We need your spirit here. We're your kids. We want to be here for you, to get close to you. We want to sit at your feet this morning. Lord, as Pastor Tim gets ready to come and give us a message from your word, I pray that you will anoint him. I pray that you will just post angels all the way around him, and he will just be on fire with your spirit. Lord, we expect things from you this morning, because we know we can. You don't let us down. So would you make us moldable? Because we need to get out of your way. So Lord, I pray that our flesh will be set aside and our hearts and our minds can line up with what you're doing because it's good and it's big. And we know you're moving here. We know you're doing things. We know you're working in and around us. But start with us, Lord. Start with me. Transform me more. And I pray, Jesus, that your spirit will just go out across this body here in this one church as the other churches around this community are worshiping you, Lord. Set your spirit on fire in them. I pray that we will make a difference in our community because we love you more than we love ourselves. And we want to win people for You. So Jesus, You take over. We're here. We love You, Lord. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.
2: In the book of Acts, chapter 16, beginning with verse 16. Acts 16:16 16, 16. We read these words Once when they were going to the place of prayer when we were going to the place of prayer we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling This girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you how to be saved. She kept this up many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the Spirit left her. Not long ago, in my Bible reading, I was making my way through the arduous task of reading through Jeremiah and e- Lamentations and Ezekiel and all of those chapters in the Old Testament that make everyone want to stand up and say, Glory, Hallelujah, because they're just so exciting. And as I read those, I was writing in my journal that my spirit had been challenged and convicted and troubled by what I had been reading. And I wrote that I keep feeling that there is a compulsion to write and to preach from the things that have been stirring in my soul from those old books. But I remember writing in my journal, I can't get my arms around how to attack this. I, I can't find that, the, the, the handle from which to start. There's just so much about the fall of Israel to Assyria and then Judah to Babylon. And every page that you read in those Old Testament books sounds like I'm reading the newspaper from the United States of America these days. Or that I'm listening to an evening news program. And I'm Shaken by what I sense and what I feel and what I read. But I'm still unsure how to tackle that sermon that I think is bubbling up within me. And this one isn't it. I'm not there yet. But as I was reading through that, I stumbled in some of my other reading. I stumbled across writings about the Great Awakening. The Great Awakening. And as I read about the great awakening, it dawned on me that such was the cure for the failure that was being experienced throughout Israel and Judah in those Old Testament readings where I was. They needed a great awakening. You see, the prophets were standing and preaching and proclaiming that they needed to follow the Word of God, but the people just weren't listening. They had so many other things to do, so many other things to keep their attention, that this stuff that the prophets were telling them didn't really seem to be all that important. So that country, that land, those people needed a great awakening, something that would shake them. For those of you who may not know, I'm guessing you've heard of the Great Awakening. But it was this incredible move of God that swept through Great Britain and then through the colonies of the United States between the years about 1720 and 17 to 1740. And it was driven by men like George Whitfield and John Wesley and Jonathan Edwards as they began to preach powerfully about the need for people to repent. Whitfield would speak to 30,000 people at a time in an open-air area without, certainly, the benefit of sound equipment. And Wesley would preach to more than that in kind of a natural amphitheater that they would find out on a hill somewhere. And Jonathan Edwards became famous for a sermon that he preached in America titled, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And he was an interesting little guy. Because if you could picture Jonathan Edwards, think of him as a slender, little, geeky looking guy with horn-rimmed glasses or wire-framed glasses that were about as thick as the end of a Coke bottle. And they say that when he stood to preach this particular message, that people in the congregation would moan and cry out, and wail, even though, they say, he read the sermon word for word, held up close to his nose because of those glasses, and that he read it in a monotone, There was nothing dramatic about what he was saying or the way he was saying it. There was nothing to try to fire up the people. It was simply the power of God resting on a message that a little skinny guy was standing in front of a group of people and had the confidence and the courage to proclaim. And it set the stage for the direction for this new land that was called America. And it was exactly what was needed in the days of Jeremiah and Ezekiel. And it it happened. For one brief, glorious moment. When a king by the name of Josiah had a spiritual epiphany of his own, I suppose. And he led the nation in a movement to return to worshiping God. And he felt like part of what they should do would be to restore the temple. You have to understand that that temple, which was made of large blocks, had not been cared for in over 200 years. When Josiah came along and said, we need to do something about the temple. Can you imagine what this church would be like if we didn't do anything to it for the next 50 or 60 or 80 years. You would come back and find sheetrock coming off the walls and the paint all torn up and the floors worn out. You would find this place a mess. And Josiah felt that way about the temple. He was just eager To pass on, somehow, this thing that was boiling up within Him. And so, they began the process of restoring the temple. And you know how we would begin. We would begin by going to some of the old storage rooms and cleaning out the debris that has been collected across the years. In this church, we would probably go over to those two two storage units that set out behind the, the parsonage. And we would start going through those. And imagine that it's been 50 years since we've done anything here. And we go over there and we start pulling out the Christmas decorations from 2021. And we start pulling out the the sets that were used on the platform whenever some piece of drama was taking place. And we would look at those things that were now uh, dog-eared and mouse-nibbled and we would think, what? Just throw this stuff away. And so they started that process of going through the, the, the temple and cleaning it out. And while they were in one of those spare rooms somewhere, they found something that was incredible. They found a copy of the Word of God. Probably the first five books of our Bible. And they took it to the king and read it to him and it shook him to his core. And he declared that the people needed to hear what was in those books. And so the people began to gather at the temple and he would have the priest or someone stand there and read it to them. Perhaps he read part of it himself. And as they read through those first five books, the ones that we're not too excited about getting into, the people were blown away by what they were hearing and what they were learning. And it was like, why hadn't someone told us about this before? And there, just for a moment, just for a moment, there was a a chance. Let me ask you, church. Do you ever get tired of church as usual? Do you ever just want to experience God in some real, deep, personal way? Do you ever want to feel that the Spirit of God is just smothering this congregation on a Sunday morning with His presence to the place where you can hardly breathe because it is so real? Can you even imagine tearing down some old traditions? Are you ever hungry for a great awakening in yourself and in this place and in our community and in our world? Now by asking you that question, I'm guessing that you are immediately drawn to one side of that equation or the other. Some of you sit there on the edge of your seat and you feel that that kind of an awakening would do little more than just disrupt our comfort zone. Dear God in heaven, disrupt my comfort zone. They fear, some of us fear, that our traditions are going to be challenged and and that change is about to come if there was some kind of a spiritual awakening or renewal. And others sit on the edge of their chair with this gleam in their eye because they anticipate that the familiarity of their comfort zone is going to be disrupted. Okay, disrupt my comfort zone. Listen. I want God to make me uncomfortable by His presence being so real that I fall on my face before Him. In... My 73 years on this planet, I have seen two moments that I would consider awakenings. And I've shared at least one of these with you. But one was the revival that occurred at Asbury College, a little town in Kentucky, back in 1971. Can you imagine how many years ago that's been? It led this nation. It had an impact. And what happened was, the students of that college went to chapel one day. And when they arrived, the president or the, or the chaplain went to the podium on the platform and said something like, I just don't feel like I'm supposed to speak today, and shared a Testimony. And then a kid came up and shared testimony. And then another came and another. And before long, the students of that college were lying down the entire side of that chapel waiting to get to the microphone to tell the people what God was doing in their lives. Classes that afternoon were canceled. And for eight days, without a break, students were lined up morning, noon, and night, 24 hours a day to get to that microphone, to be in that place to pray, to call out to God in repentance. And eight days later, they finally shut off the lights and everyone was back to their dormitory or their home. But those students took off that weekend And they went back to their home churches, wherever they were from. And when they got there, they started explaining to their pastor, would it be okay if I just shared what's happening at school? And their pastors, many of them said yes. And those students stood at pulpits in churches across the the, the country, mostly in the southeast. And they shared what had happened at Asbury. And you know what? That spark began to permeate their own congregation. And so all across this country, there were congregations that started feeling that same kind of thing. The other brief, wonderful expression of God's grace and mercy I know I've told you about before, it was when I was pastoring in Del City, Oklahoma, my first church. February seventeenth, 1980. And something began to stir in that church on that Sunday morning. And people began to move to an altar to pray. And four different times, the altars in that little church were filled with repentant sinners. Seekers. And at two o'clock in the afternoon, we shut off the lights and went home. Not one person had left because we were afraid we would somehow Displease God if we left the presence of what was happening in that place. And that started in that church a revival that lasted for months. And culminated on Easter Sunday, this little church that worked hard to have 100, 120 on a Sunday morning. And we set the record that Easter Sunday with 308 people jammed in to that little chapel because something was stirring in that church and people wanted to be there. They wanted to dip their toes in that water. They wanted to be part of it. And I've got to tell you this morning, I am so ready for that to happen again. Oh God, please, please God, let my children and my children's children experience what I have known. I'm ready for a great awakening. I believe that there is a shift taking place in the body of Christ. And I believe that it is the mighty hand of God trying to wake up the church to more effective ways of getting the Word of God to the people of our world and to bring our sons and daughters to living vital relationship with Him. Can I tell you this morning where the world we live in matches the world that's described in Jeremiah and Ezekiel? The people there we were burning their children alive as an act of worship. Burning their babies, we abort them by the millions. They were using sex as part of ritualistic idol worship. And we are now in a day and age where some states are testing the waters to see if they could make prostitution legal. And here in Colorado, we have more pot shops than Starbucks. And some of you are sitting there very uncomfortable the fact that I would even mention these things. And you're saying kind of in your spirit, Pastor, I wish you wouldn't even talk about that stuff. But we have those in the church of Jesus Christ who are pleading for a great awakening, for a visitation of the Holy Spirit to come into their church, their community, their own spirit. And at the same time, we have those who are very Content in their comfort. Regardless of which one you are. Is there not just a flicker of a hope, of a desire for a great awakening? Because if there is, then you are on mission. And a great awakening is one that literally turns the world upside down. At least the little world that we live in, that you live in. Or maybe it turns it right side up. In our text this morning, Paul and Silas and Luke are reported as being those who are throwing our city into an uproar. Why? Because they were on mission. They overthrew and they thoroughly replaced an established system in this little episode that we read this morning. Verse 16 says, When... And once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. And then we get to verse 17 and it says, This girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, who are telling you how to be saved. Now, she was telling the truth, but not to have people listen to them or to follow Jesus. In my opinion, she was making a mockery of them. And then in verse 18, it says, she kept this up for many days. The Bible doesn't say how many, but it means a lot. She was a stalker, and Paul was losing his patience with her. Finally, it says, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And you need to notice the exclamation point. At that moment, the Spirit left her. In other words, Paul was sick and tired of it. She had followed many days. No doubt he had asked her not to follow or to stop saying the things she was saying. And then he became tired of doing the same old thing and getting the same old results. Nothing was changing. And so he got so fed up with tradition, so fed up with mediocrity, that he became weary with complacency. He was tired of going to church day after day and not experiencing a move of God. Folks, in this church, we don't have enough money to be able to buy cool. I go to some churches and they've got cool all over the place. You can hardly see the platform for the fog machines that are going and the lights that are flickering. And I'm forgive me, I'm, I'm not putting that stuff down. I'm just saying you and I don't have the money for all that technology here. We need something better than cool. We need the presence of the holy God moving through this place. And you can do away with the cool... So Paul turned, and he said to the spirit, (laughs) it's important to notice that he wasn't talking to the girl. Now he was talking to the established system that had taken authority and dominance in her life. And he spoke directly to the entity that had taken charge. And he said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. He was tired of church as usual. He was ready for a great awakening. He was ready to turn the world upside down. He was on mission. And so he caused a paradigm shift. He changed her way of thinking. That stronghold that had dominance was radically opposed and overthrown. It was a spiritual awakening. It was a great awakening. But there was resistance. Those who made a profit off of her, being this wonderful fortune teller, realized that the flow of money was now gone. And so they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them to the rulers, beat them and threw them in prison, because they caused this great awakening in at least one young girl's life. But you know the story from there on because that's where it says about midnight. They're in prison. Just when it seemed like it was the darkest hour. It says they prayed and sang praises to God. They're in prison. They're in chains. And somehow... They said, hey, let's have a little prayer meeting here. Silas, you sing pretty good. You start. Maybe some of these other prisoners will sing with us. And because they continued to pray and sing, God delivered them. An earthquake came along. Perfect timing. Hmm. Oh, no, God doesn't do miracles. But man, he uses perfect timing so often. Perfect timing. And that earthquake shook the very foundations of the prison walls. And their restraints were broken loose from the walls. And it wasn't long after this that they visited Thessalonica. And while they were there, they simply started going to church. But in that territory, there were some Jewish leaders who had authority. And they knew that Paul and Silas and Luke and some of these guys were lighting fires of an awakening wherever they went. Because their reputation had preceded them to Thessalonica. So these Jewish leaders caused an uproar and they began to say that these men have turned the world upside down. Are you ready for a great awakening? Are you tired of doing the same old thing and getting the same old results? Are you tired of church as usual? Are you tired of being in a spiritual rut? Are you tired of doing church instead of being effective? Are you tired of coming here bound up in your sin and your anxiety and going home the same way? Are you tired of the enemy, the soul running roughshod over you? Are you willing to be a freedom fighter looking for this great awakening? And if you said yes to any of those questions, then you need to be part of that great awakening by being on mission. And there's no one in this church this morning who wants to see an awakening more than this fill in preacher that you've had for several months. It's why he preaches every Sunday. And most of us would say that we want it, but. Yeah, we want it, but. And some of you are almost cringing right now, because what I'm describing to you sounds very uncomfortable. Have you ever counted the cost of a great awakening? Because if you're ready for a great awakening, you will cry sometimes. But the Bible says, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. You will be persecuted, but not forsaken. You will be cast down, but not destroyed. You will be troubled, but not distressed. You will be perplexed, but not in despair. You will be lonely, but not alone. And just hearing those things made some of you say, brother... I don't want to get close. The question is Are we as a congregation, are you as an individual, ready, willing to stay on mission for the sake of your children and their children and your community? Because when this occurs, and I believe that it will, it will not occur because I'm standing on this platform. It will not occur because a new preacher comes here. It will occur because a congregation says, We're tired of normal. God, do something in this place. If it occurs, and I believe it will, why couldn't it occur before a new preacher gets here? so that when he steps on this platform, he looks across this congregation and says, I don't know what's going on here, but I'm almost afraid to stand here and preach, because the presence of God is so thick and so real. Let's set that kind of an atmosphere for a new preacher that comes to this place. I believe that this great awakening will happen. And this awakening will not be televised. And it will not be be something that has embedded reporters telling the events of the day. And this awakening will not be on CNN or Fox News because they will not see it as important. And this awakening will not be discussed by the President of the United States, whoever she may be. This awakening will liberate your life. This awakening will heal your heart. This awakening will save your soul. This awakening will open your opportunities. This awakening will tear down traditions. This awakening will eradicate your old eternity. This awakening will determine your new destiny. This awakening will perfect your praise. This awakening will solidify your salvation. This awakening will convict your conscience. This awakening will transform the trajectory of your life. This awakening will revitalize your relationships. This awakening will renew your restoration. This awakening will bring new life to the church and to our world. I'm talking about something that God promises to give us if we are willing to call on Him and seek Him and look for Him and not give up until He comes. And so I wonder if any today are hungry for an awakening. I think I've told you the story before. You know, when a preacher starts telling you the same stories over, it's time for him to move on. But uh, it, it, it was uh, back in the last year when my grandson sent me a text. I'm sure I've told you this. John. And in the text he said, Grandpa, how do I know I'm going to heaven? And so I wrote him back a text and made it as simple as I possibly thought I could and sent that back to him. And a little while later, I got a, I told him, you need to repent and invite Jesus into your life. And I got a text back from him and he said, Grandpa, how do I repent? And so I wrote him back again and I Gave him all of the things that I thought he needed to know about repentance. You're 11 years old. I mean, what could you have done? And then I got another text back from him. And he said, Grandpa, how do I know I'm forgiven? And so I wrote him again. And did my best to explain that to him. And then... Later that night, I got another text from him, and he said, Grandpa, I prayed asking God to forgive my sins. Now, all of that is happening with this young boy during the roughest days of COVID shutdown. They weren't going to church they were watching it on tv and i can almost guarantee you that 11 12 year old boy is not sitting very idly by and watching church on tv but something was stirring in that young heart and there was a spiritual great awakening going on and sometimes later sometime later i got another text from him and he said grandpa I invited three of my friends to come to God today. Those are his words. I invited them to come to God. Now in that young boy's life, there had been a great awakening. And as I read that last text from him, that he had invited three of his friends to come to God, I thought to myself, son, you're way ahead of your old grandpa. But there's a generation out there just like him, Hungry for a relationship with the living God through Jesus Christ our Lord who died on a cross to pay for my sin. Was buried. Died and was buried for three days. And then on that third day arose from the grave. It is that one that I want relationship with. That Jesus my Lord Are you ready for some kind of a great awakening? If so, what are you going to do about it? See, it's my impression, it's my belief, that it just takes the obedience of one to spark the fire. And it's often someone that no one would even think of. Are you willing? Fifty years ago, I was a... Youth pastor. And I was a good one. (laughs) We used to sit around a campfire at our retreats. And guys, please forgive me when I try to sing. I know I don't sing. But we would sing this song. It only takes a spark to get a fire going. And soon all those around can warm up to its glowing. That's how it is with God's love. Once you've experienced it, you share His love with everyone. You want to pass it on. See, the issue is we've grown beyond that first love that propelled us and compelled us to pass it on. And we have grown so comfortable to come to church and set on our assumptions and just let the world go by. when in reality what we need is a great awakening in those of us who have been part of this process for as long as I have. God, make it new in me again. Make it fresh in me again. God, I need a fresh anointing of your Spirit, awaken me. Awaken me. I want to ask the praise team to come back. And I want to pray with you. My desire today, again, (laughs) is not to put you on some kind of an irreversible guilt trip. It's just to challenge us. And I'm wondering, how hungry are we today? How hungry are we today for the Spirit of God to move in this gymnasium that we use as a sanctuary? Come into this place, Father, and minister to us. And as we sing... You know that I always like to say these altars are a good place to pray. and Maybe the Spirit of the God has challenged you somehow today. Maybe there's a sense of conviction that you're feeling in your heart that you just, you're just hungry for a fresh expression of God to move, knowing that if perhaps He awakens you in your heart and in your spirit, that you'll have the courage again to talk to someone else or at least to pass on the love of God in some way that you haven't been doing if you'd like to kneel here while we sing together I invite you to come in Jesus name i Ale- go up by them, be there with them, praying with them. I urge you to do that. Man, let them know you're in this with them. You're part of it. Pastor Larry King Pastor would you come pray for us today?
5: 1971, I married my high school sweetheart. By the end of 1972, we were divorced. Three years later, she's living in Alaska, and I'd been living in Texas, and God miraculously put us back together again. Has anything like that ever happened to you? Something you couldn't possibly do yourself? You couldn't have orchestrated it? Would have been afraid to ask for it? God changes lives. He can fix the biggest messes we've ever been in. Invite him, Father. I ask in Jesus' name your blessings on this congregation. None of us have it all together. We're broken, and some of us are just little piles of of, of broken jars. That you can put us back together again and you can make us better than we have ever been in our lives so I ask you Lord in Jesus name that you wrap your arms around us that you lead us by your spirit that you stir us with that hunger that we're not satisfied with anything else this world has to offer We've dabbled in it. We've waded in it. And we've been drowned in it. We need you. We need your very presence in our life. Touch us, make us brand new. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May God bless you. Amen. Don't leave here. Don't be in a hurry. If the presence of the Lord is here and He's touching your hearts, allow Him to do that. Just soak it in for a while. You can kneel where you're at. You can come here. There are some of us who would be glad to pray with you. When you get here, don't be surprised if we don't ask you to pray for us. We need the Lord. Bask in his presence. There's nothing else that'll ever satisfy. It just won't happen. So don't hurry. You're dismissed.
0: Amazing.